Hello and welcome everyone to episode 41 of the VGC Trainer School podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I'm Jake, and I'm joined today by three very musical co-hosts, because all three of you were instrumental in putting on the largest regulation e-tournament that has ever happened, or at least Boo. has happened so far. Oh, come on. I, I I thought about that pun four days ago, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta use it. Um, <laughs> well, let's get to it. Um, first off, the uh, the first boo that you heard was from John. How are you doing, John? I'm doing much better after <laughs> coping with the the stinkiness of that pun. Um, no, I'm doing good. Uh, me and Tyler have been uh, batting team ideas back and forth for like a week or so now. And uh, he'll talk more about his tourney run, I guess, here in a few moments. But uh, yeah, it's just really exciting to get to prep with friends for because we're going we're both going to Peoria. So it's cool to prep with friends for like the same tournament and like playing sort of the same thing um, and finding, you know, and finding out that some stuff works, some stuff doesn't work, some stuff like needs to be tweaked to work. So it's really cool to, to like cooperate on a project like that rather than just doing it all alone. Absolutely. That, that's one of the best parts about going to, to regionals with somebody else is like, if you do you decide to both bring the same thing, it's like you can, you can try twice as many matches and twice as many scenarios as you would otherwise if you're like doing some stuff offline and then you get together so that's really cool i'm uh, glad you're both going to be able to go and meet in person and speaking of tyler he also happens to be here welcome back to the show bud how you doing i'm doing really good jake thank you for having me back um yeah no as uh, as john alluded to uh we've just been uh, bouncing a lot of team ideas back and forth trying to get this peoria prep situated um, and then this past weekend, we also had the tournament, which was very fun. It was a really good time. Um, I did not do as well as I thought I was going to, but fortunately we learned that it was not because of me per se. It was because, <laughs> because of our, our team composition. Um, it just didn't do well in a lot of like the meta threats, but with that being said, like the team did what we needed it to do, which was give us feedback and information. So, all in all, like, I'm really pleased with how everything went. Yeah, I'll definitely call that a win because, like, worst case would be you didn't get to play in this and you're like, no, the team feels good. And then you bring it to Peoria and then you have that experience there as opposed to getting, you know, that pre-Peoria uh, Peoria experience now. And then you can, like, tweak it and change it based on what you want to do in the future stuff. I think that's a that can, that's that's great when you do get that immediate feedback of like, OK, I need to change some things on this. I mean, we're still going to get clapped in Peoria, but for different reasons. <laughs> Listen, I am I am certainly no latte here, right? So, but I am I am I pride myself on being the the VGC Trainer School server uh, designated uh, Gravnosis user, right? So, I don't know anybody else has brought Gravnosis to a tournament. Um, I did that without with very little prep, but this one I feel like needed some more work. Um, it, so it turns out uh, Monkey Dory actually isn't as cool as we thought it was going to be. Well, he is cool, just uh, not in this format right now. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe it'll get Shaggy. expanding force one day. 
Yes. And that third voice that you just heard is a guest co-host on Welcome in AOX. You know him from the server who is our tournament extraordinaire. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I don't know about extraordinaire, but um, I'm not doing bad. I'm I'm doing good. Recovering from the, the weekend because um, managing that tournament was um, chaotic, to say the least. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. So what was so when you saw that participant number keep going up and up and up, what was what was running through your head about compared like compared to some of the other tournaments that we've had over the you know last few weeks and months? Well, I saw when Swamp tagged me in the tweet that Wolfie put out to say that it was joining the tournament. And I, I looked at it and then I had to do a double take because it was like, wait, what? Hang on, let me just check that again. And it turned out he was actually playing. And I was like, uh, guys, we might need some help here. <laughs> and that went crazy, kind of like big. I was expecting personally about 100, maybe 150 players at the most. Obviously, prize pool tournaments, they do attract more people than they would do normally. I wasn't expecting over 400 people. So that was something I had to bring the cavalry in for, as, as it were. So I am thankful for the amount of people that uh, helped me manage that because there's no way I could have done this on my own. Yeah, and that's that, that was that was something that was really, very cool. Uh, Swamp, as uh, previous mentioned, as well as Omega Alpha also um, were were huge for, for helping out with some, some of those judges' calls. Anybody else that, that was there? Because I know that, John, you helped as well as uh, Tyler, you helped to bring in some of the money that was like part of the, the cash prize for this, right? Yep. VGC trainer school treasurer right here. Um, nice. I think was it, was it skies that helped as well for a little while? Yes. Yeah, skies and flag on man were the others. Yep. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you to everyone seriously who had a hand in this because this size of a tournament is something that, I mean, it clearly it snowballed, you know, once you had those really big, players say that they are going to be playing in it and it just kind of you know went from there and it also it, it's it's really cool for, for for the channel for you know for the server because it's like these this types of publicity is certainly going to um certainly going to draw more eyes to it and like continue to put us in that same category as like a nino tour or a wide league or a beanie brawl or something like that and i think that'd be that'd be really cool to see that um, but I got to say, while you guys were all playing in or judging the tournament, I had a horrible experience this weekend, which is why I was basically MIA for so much of it. We started fostering kittens on Wednesday. We kept them in a cage for like a few days. That way they could acclimate to their settings. And we, it comes Saturday morning and my wife's like, all right, let's, uh, you know, let's move some stuff in the crawl space and, and bring some stuff out, you know, like getting the, uh, the Halloween decorations and putting away some of our summer clothes, that sort of thing. And we're doing that. And the crawl space entrance point is where the cats were being caged up. So we have like a room that's dedicated to them. It's even painted yellow because cats like the color yellow. So we were moving stuff in and out and like the crawl space is closed and that's fine. Then there is a closet and there was a hole in the wall that was like 22 inches high and 50 inches wide because there was like some flooding. So there was some mold on the drywall. So I just cut it and then I just put a bunch of stuff in front of it. And my wife goes, you know, we should probably 
cover that before we let these cats out. And I'm like, nah, it'll be fine. It's got tons of stuff that's, you know, blocking the way. So my mother-in-law comes over maybe like an hour or so later. And the the two kittens, the one is like this little orange cat and she's terrified. So she's like constantly hiding. And so I look at her and she's behind the desk. And then I go upstairs and then my mother-in-law goes down not 15 minutes later. And she's like, I can't find this cat. And we immediately think, oh my God, she's in the wall. So we are tearing out drywall. I'm drilling holes into the wall with a camera to be able to try and find it. It's seven hours of searching for this cat and we have no idea where it is we told the foster people hey it it might have gotten lost we might not know where it is we were preparing ourselves to one day smell something kind of funky and have to go digging through the walls to find this cat that got stuck it's the evening and we're like you know what we are going to just like let it go because we took the other cat that was like not hiding and we put it in the bathroom, but we separated it from its its sibling. And so it started to destroy the bathroom. So we're like, okay, we're going to put it back in, in the cage. It's going to be bait. We're going to like lure out the other cat and then we're just going to like deal with it tomorrow. So I go out, I, I'm like, you know, start to drink a little bit because it's been a terrible day. And then I come back inside and my wife is like, the cat's here. I'm like, what? And she's like, the orange cat is back. So She keeps them busy while I then climb up into the rafters to be able to pull down drywall that I have from like extra stuff. And so I'm pulling that down and patching up a hole at like 10 o'clock at night. So that way she can then bathe the one cat that was covered in litter and food and water because it was destroyed its entire area in the bathroom while the other one would just like came out of nowhere. And it turns out it was hiding under the desk the entire time because there's a space that's like two inches tall that no one knew that you could actually fit into because we've only ever had big cats in the area. So that's what I was doing on Saturday. And I wish I was playing in a Pokemon tournament. Bro, that sucks. It was terrible. I was so angry. I was like this stupid cat because like I didn't have the chance to bond with it. So I had I was I had no positive association with it. But now it's fine. Okay, but yeah. but did you but did you bond with Wolf Stream though? Did you did you not catch any of that? I'm- I wasn't able to. I didn't watch. I wasn't able to watch any of it because we were like re we were like moving out the washer and dryer because that's because that's connected to the closet basically like as the adjacent wall. So it was just my my father in law even brought this like uh like a heat signature camera kind of like you know Predator is able to see that. And so he was like trying to look through the walls to see if he could see like a heat signature in the walls. It was it was a nightmare. Listen, when we get out of here, I'm going to have to teach you a little thing about priorities. okay? and (laughs) cats and walls do not take place over belly drum Snorlax game. True. It's true. Throw all that out. Yeah, I I agree, Tyler. I agree. And if always sunny has taught me anything, I should have just put a second cat in the wall and that would have it would have been fine. Um, But anyway. So Spicer can cut all that if he wants to. But let's get down to business, as they say in Mulan, and start talking about the tournament. So, again, thank you guys so much for coming in and uh, coming on to talk about this. So we do have some news to get to first, and then we're going to jump into some analysis of the VGC Trainer School Open, the largest regulation e-tournament ever, and also look at the Mickey Lamousathon, which was another tournament that happened over the weekend. And these two, I think, and John, you had said this earlier, and I certainly agree with you, they're going to be like pivotal in 
preparing participants for the Peoria uh, meta for what that could possibly look like. But first, let's go to the news. So, John, can you please take this first one? Congrats to Nader El Baja for, uh, or Bacha. I don't know if he's Portuguese or uh, uh, Spanish, but for winning Brazil's Curitiba uh, Regional. There was like 60 people there or something like that. Um, they brought a Dozo team with Tatsugiri, Fluttermane, Chiyu, Tornadus, and Glamora. So your Glim Dozo stuff. Um, and they beat a new balance Moon Moon Trick Room team in the finals. And when we say Moon Moon Balance, we're talking about Ursaluna, not Blood Moon, but Ursaluna, the OG, plus uh, Cresselia. So congrats to them on getting a whole bunch of CP and being what are like third. Yeah, I think our third like world's invite person this year already. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. 93 players and the winner won $6,000. Like good to the like, good for them, obviously. But the, you know, easy. You have like, <laughs> you have like 493 <laughs> players, maybe 693 players at a, at a U.S. regional or this some of these other regionals around the world. A third of the competition got CP. That's you know what like, I if love. You that. just went That's awesome. and you did decently well. Like these people went four three and they still got CP. Like That's wild. <laughs> that is so wild. So you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> there is there is a great chance, honestly, if you went to if you flew down to this, there's a good chance you would have made money. Yep. <laughs> this is like the OCIC, but not anymore. Rip. Oh man. <laughs> Some just absolute Chad brought Dark Urshi, Weakness Policy, Torkoal, Wide Lens, Mousehold, Bruxish, with Trick Room and Aqua Jet for the Weakness Policy. Isn't oh, that Conkle Donk's team? Uh, probably. Yeah, I think that's his. I think that was Conkle Donk's world's team. That's awesome. It was, yes. Nice. David, David Asato. Good on you. Um, cool. So that is. Another regulation D tournament down. Only what one more to go? I think this weekend, maybe. Uh, yeah, somewhere. Wild. Wait, I think there was ex- there's actually only three of them because that was Pittsburgh, Barcelona, and this guy. I remember. So I yeah, think that's so it. That was, I think that was the last one. The thing wow. that's going on this weekend is the uh, the Beast Coast tournament. Okay, so we are regulation done for regulation D. Yep, we're donezo. Crazy. Yep, donezo. Um, okay. This next piece, then, Tyler, please. All right. So, the Kitakami Prologue has been announced. This will be a new online challenge that is going to run from October 6th through the 8th. Um, sorry if you're in Peoria. Uh, only the Pokemon from the Kitakami decks will be allowed, and registration for that opens on the 6th and runs through the 8th, uh, meaning that you do not need to sign up for the before the challenge starts. Um, unfortunately, there is no reward for playing three games, such as like the backpacks that we got from playing in the uh, GCs last year. Yeah. Do you guys plan to check this out? I mean, you guys are going to be in Peoria, so probably not, but um, AOX, you think you're going to play in it? Possibly. Yeah. Depends what else I might be doing at the time. I'm looking at potential of a practice regulation e tournaments at the moment, so I may or may not depend on if I'm doing anything. Nice. That's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting meta. Like, you know, no Urshifus, no Tornado, like no none of the home mons, no Paradox Pokemon. 
Huh, like it's it's kind of it's going to be kind of neat to play. Just a, I, I like these smaller pool tournaments. I've been on record of saying that in the past. Just it feels like it's like closer to draft league almost than it is like regular VGC. I think that's neat. Yeah, I would not want to play in it because of the mouse mirrors. <laughs> True. Yeah, those could be nuts. Although you have like haze on Polytoad, could be interesting. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Um, okay. This last one, if you're not into playing in the Kitakami prologue, there's something else that you could be doing that same weekend if you're not going to Peoria. And AOX, what is that third news piece, please? So there is a new seven-star terror raid that will be that has been announced, and you might ask who it is. Well, it's Hisuin Decidui. It'll be a grass terror, and it will run from October 6th through to October 8th. So like uh, Jake said, sorry if you're at Peoria. Um, and then again from the following weekend, from the 13th through to the 15th. So there will be a couple of opportunities to get that in case you're not available on the first one. Um, assuming they go through the starters first, this could potentially also be a way of getting Ursa Luna without needing to go back to uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which would be a really good for sort of playability for Pokemon in the future, definitely. So yeah, um, something quite interesting. I don't know if anyone's going to pick this particular Pokemon up. I probably will just for the rewards, probably give out as well. I don't know if anyone else pans on, but looks uh, a good reward. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, Grass Terror Shards are always good. So Well, and it's like, what, 10 or something per raid? But then if you have the... Uh... The glimmering yeah. charm for the DLC, you're going to get 14 on top mm-hmm. of that because it's seven stars. So that's like, what, 24 from one raid? That's almost half of a terror a terror change. Right. Quite sneak that to 25, could they, and just make it two terror raids now. We have to make it more difficult for people. Yeah. And it's like a grass terra on a grass fighting Pokemon shouldn't be too difficult to be able to, to beat. Because it might get like flying stat or a flying attack, it might get a, a ghost attack, but you could probably easily just have like a poison type and be fine, or a, you know, like a, or it's even Goldengo or something, be fine. <laughs> yeah, Goldengo walls the raid, mm-hmm. <laughs> except for the spirit shackle part, but that's okay. Wait, yeah. I don't even even think it gets spirit shackle. Yeah. Oh no, but it gets scrappy. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's it gets scrappy. That, that, that's so no that's an interesting wrinkle. Yeah, and that's it. It's the signature yeah. one. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I do like this. I, I think that this, like with you know, Basque Legion in the teal mask, um, another Ursa Luna form, which is cool in the teal mask as well, and then bring through the uh, Hisuian Decidueye. I, I think this is a neat way for them to introduce some of those Legends Arceus Pokemon. So I'm all for this. I hope they continue to do this for sure. Um, so there is an unofficial fourth news item that I did not include on the de- on the dock, and that's because I was leaving it open just in case. I don't know. Maybe they confirmed what Regulation E is, but they haven't yet. I don't know what you guys are are going through, but like it's just going to be what we think Regulation is E is right. It's just like all of Paldea plus Home plus Kitakami, like. They're not going to do something weird. Not this late in the game. Uh, right? They could. They could easily do But they do wouldn't, it. right? That, oh, would, they, that would they, be dumb. They easily could. They have done oh, dumber things before. I can think of is back to Sword and Shield where they did the Series 6 and then just randomly did a ban list. 
Yeah. Well, but what's funny about band though? Well, but the funny thing about the Series Six thing though is that they had the Players Cup stuff during that tournament during that month, but they played it with Series Five rules. They never played like an official tourney with Series Six rules. Huh. <laughs> I think maybe the qualifier might have been Series Six, but like still, we never actually played in that format. Legit, legit. Interesting. No, I don't see them deviating from just including the the regular Paolo index, yeah, and then the home ones. I don't see them doing anything more than that. And then I guess regulation F would probably include DLC too eventually. That's probably. what I would anyway. Right, and then maybe like, and then they probably, and then maybe at that point, once that regulation has been out there, then maybe they do a ban list because it's like still in beginning of Q one or like end of q1 beginning of q2 and then they open it back up for worlds or something like that because but otherwise i mean like i don't know i just think it's wild that they're just assuming that people are going to be able to build teams without knowing what the if the format is actually what it's been crazy but yeah that is the news so now let's get on over to the topic so for today we're going to look at i'm gonna say it again the biggest regulation E tournament ever, the VGC Trainer School Open with a $250 prize pool featured over 400 players ta- capped out specifically at, was it 409, I think? Something like that? Insane. Um, so we do have some some information on this for like looking at the total number of Pokemon, um, the you know the, the, some of the usage rates. We also have some lab mouse information that way we can see common pairings. So I think all of that type of information is going to be very valuable. And then also we're going to look at the Mickey Lamousathon as well. But first and foremost, a massive massive congratulations to Rezu winning the whole thing on day two, which was Sunday. They brought a Pretty fun-looking team of Rillaboom with Salt Vest, Tornadus with an interesting Air Slash and Scary Face, so no Bleak Wind Storm um, or Taunt. It's just going Air Slash and Scary Face. Kind of like seems like an old, like an OG Tornadus set with Choice Band Urshifu, the uh, the dark version with a Poison Jab on there, um, Fire Ogre Pond, Scarf Lando, and Specs Goldango. So. All three choice items, and then plus assault vests. So, so all four, like four Pokemon without a protect, and then just uh, bullet seed on Ogre Pond plus Grassy Glide. Wow, <laughs> I didn't even know that it got Grassy Glide. I'm gonna be honest. Bullet seed is crazy for Focus Ash, I guess. Look very much regular sort of hyper offense team, but the more you look at the team and the way it's structured, there's like things that it's been used slightly differently to what you would expect. Like one of the notable things there is Terror Rock on the Landris, for example. So you have things like that. And then it's actually the only team that included the use of Ogre Pond using Bullet Seed. I checked the stats on this. It's the only team that actually had that using Bullet Seed. And that, according to Rezo, because I actually asked him directly on this, was specifically the for the uh, Focus Sash Fluttermane matchup, which is quite common in the Japanese meta, which is the whole reason why we used it. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, Bullet Seed, because Bullet Seed can hit up to five times, so... 
getting what three or four hits it's probably gonna go down plus there was a good amount of water terra yeah well i think the idea is to stack up your hearth flame boost plus Mm -hmm. uh your grassy glide thing or your grassy surge so that you can you can reliably uh you know have like a 50 base power move into sash flutter main in particular right um because you want you don't want to pick a move that you really need to get three four or at least three hits on um because sometimes you won't get that third hit and you'll just get two hits right um but yeah i think andy you're cut you're right about uh the landerus particularly having rock tomb over uh terror blast flying which is like the standard scarf set at this point um what I, what I think it allows landers to do is like fill in the tornadus role but without needing tornadus um on the team so if you're like hey like i really can't bring both tornadus and landers you actually have speed control uh without your dedicated speed control pokemon which i think was a really really cool way to uh think about hyper offense in general I think that, and just the fact that the rock type inoffensively at the moment, because of all the ogre pom running around, is mm-hmm. just I think as well. So I think they've left tornadoes to fill in the flying coverage role in case it's needed, and foregone terra flying uh, terra blast on Landorus for terra rock, which would in, in instead of being weak to ice is just neutral. It's not a bad typing, and then you get the offensive boost with rock slide. And Rock Tomb as well. So you've got the option of A, the speed control option, and B, fast rock slides that are increasing in power and the potential to flinch. Mm-hmm. So there's on there. And with Scary Face Torn, you actually have a trickery matchup, right? Because with Rillaboom, you can um, change the terrain. But with Scary Face, you get, well, into everything but Goldango, you can actually like reverse how all the speed inter- interactions work. Plus, you have two grassy glide mods, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah, it's a very, very cool team. I uh, I definitely am interested in your thoughts on Air Slash over Bleakwind or Breakwind or whatever, because Air Slash, obviously, you know, you get the flinch chance, but it's only single target, whereas Bleakwind, it's like, you know, you could hit both or you could hit neither, but you get the, potentially the speed drop. So it's like, I'm curious if people are going to start going back to Air Slash because it's a little bit more reliable and more reliable in the sense that you can at least, you know that if you're going to hit something, it's going to be the one that you want to hit as opposed to potentially missing the thing that you actually wanted to hit, which I feel like often happens with those spread non-100% accurate moves. Yeah. Well, once you account for, um, once you account for the double spread damage reduction, Air Slash is doing the same damage as it would do with Bleak Windstorm anyway. So mm-hmm. I guess, it, A, the potential flinch chance is useful, but also a more consistent flying option to pick off certain Pokemon that you would do with your flying stab that you may not want to rely on Bleak Windstorm for, for example. I can only assume that's probably the reason for it, is likely. Well, and uh, if you think about Thunderous sets, they... Uh, a bunch of them dropped Wild Bolt Storm for Thunderbolt, which has a little bit more power, but is importantly more accurate. <laughs> so you can actually target something and know it'll land. So I think it's it's just the same concept of I need a fly, I need flying damage into this one thing. What's the most reliable way to do it? Use the more accurate move. Yeah, especially if you're dropping 
um, Terra flying Terra blast on Lando. You mm-hmm. gotta have that that and also probably running focus sash. It's probably close to a 252 252, which is faster than a lot of torns are now, right? Because like mm-hmm. some of them are running, you know, covert cloak or citrus berry, so they weren't going max timid. Which maybe this torn isn't, but I could see it because of the fact that it's focus sash. But cool, that is their team. Do you guys want to talk about the uh, the number two team as well? Of course. Okay. So Rezu faced off against Jiro or Jiro in the finals, and Jiro brought that trick room team that you mentioned, John. They were able to have something for the psychic surge on NDD. And of course, if there's NDD, you're going to have Armor Rouge plus Hat, Tureen, Ursaluna Regular, uh, Choice Scarf, Dark Urshifu, and Torkoal with Charcoal and Clear Smog, which is interesting. This year, kind of, I'm not going to say standard um, Sun Room kind of team, obviously, because there's no, you know, chlorophyll user. But kind of Urshifu fits into that like fast role, I guess, given it, you know, U-turn. Choice Scarf Taunt is very, very interesting to me. But the Ursuline is cool. It has Facade, headlo- Headlong Rush, and Swords Dance. Um, you obviously have Follow Me on NDDB. It sets that stuff up. Expanding Force right there, of course, on Armor Rouge plus Wide Guard, which I think is nice. Some Armor Rouge were running Wide Guard early in what, like A and B, but then it kind of fell off. So it's interesting to see it back on there. And of course, you know, your standard Torkoal set. This is like, it's your it's your good size spam. It's a very good size spam looking team. What do you think? Uh, I think Shohei run uh, Choice Scarf Taunt on his Water Urshifu at Worlds. Like it's not. No, he, he, didn't have, he didn't have Scarf on his team at all. I think it was, yeah, I think it was Mystic Water, wasn't it? Because like, oh, I know Mystic they. Water. I think he was like goggles or Mystic Goggles, Water, yeah. you're right. Yeah, because they because they dropped fighting stab for a taunt. I yeah. have somebody so I'm remembering somebody with a choice scarf taunter or shifu with water. Oh that could be. Yeah. You're gonna make me Google. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fascinating thing here is that uh your Ursa Luna is not Terra Ghost. Because like under Trick Room, um your usual uh, plays into Trick Room are to fake out either of the uh, Trick Room sweepers. And obviously with Psychic uh, Terrain, it's harder to do, but you can like switch in your Willaboom and then make them switch out their Ndidi and then fake out one of their Mons, yada, yada, yada. But if you don't have uh, Terra Ghost on your Ursaluna, that guy is fake out bait. So you're really relying on your ability to position um, Psychic Terrain well in exchange for a lot more power on Facade. And I think and that's it, huge because when you're trying, like when you're playing Trick Room, you're trying to end that game in like five turns, right? So like yes. you you don't necessarily want to, like you're you're like, okay, I'm going to try and get this as big, like as much damage as possible. And then also too, normal is a, is a pretty good defensive typing. If we are seeing a few Urshifu now, like it's becoming a little bit more common to drop that fighting stab. So. Because they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to use water or dark stab because I'm able to hit these ground types that are, you know, Landorus and, and Ursaluna. So if you remove that, it's kind of like I'm not going to be as afraid of the fighting stab. And because of the fact that it's open team sheet, you know if it has it or not. So then it's like you can essentially say that what would have been an Urshifu um, weakness is no longer kind of there for you. Yep. 
And you can also notice that Torkoal has no protect, but it also does not have choice specs, which I think is a big change from other normal Sun Rune teams. Yeah. Where you either get charcoal with protect or you get choice specs with four attacks. This guy was like, no, eruption into heat wave is something I need to do pretty often. So I'd rather have that option than the turbo eruption option. Right. I'm a liar, by the way. It was, in fact, Mystic Water Taunt. <laughs> That's okay. What else are you lying about, Tyler? That's for me to know and for you to find out of Peoria. Your name is actually Mike, <laughs> isn't it? This whole time. <laughs> is um, it? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Tyler, what do you think about the Chick Room team? Um, what do I think about the Chick Room? Did anyone mention the Terra, or Terra Grass and Didi? That seems... What, what is that for? Amoongus and Surging Strikes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with Psychic Seed. Yeah, that makes sense, because sometimes they want to run Goggles. That makes the checks out. Twisted Spoon versus the Life Orb. The Life Orb is actually on Hatterene this time, but I'm sure you guys already talked about that while I was busy looking. Uh, we actually did it. Yeah. That doesn't I, didn't, exist. I didn't notice there was Twisted Spoon on Armorers, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, normally it runs Life Orb, but in this case, like, you don't want it to uh, take any type of damage, which, you know, Life Orb does that naturally. So, yeah, uh, the Twisted Spoon did go away for a little while, and it it popped back up here. Other than that, I mean, everything seems pretty standard. I personally feel like Swords Dance Ursaluna is like a bit overkill, but I mean, if you get it off right, the game's done practically. Like you, you, you can just facade into whatever you want. It's chances are it's gonna KO. Well, a lot of teams will try and just intimidate cycle that thing. So probably what it's intending to do is get that sword stance off as though something's switching in to get the intimidate, and then it's still at plus one and it's still going to knock out what it needs to after that. I think that's probably the intention for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because like living at plus one or like, you know, ending the turn or I guess starting the turn if it's a switch in at plus one, you're really at plus two because of the guts. So mm-hmm. you're like you're you're making that investment in the plus two and if you're like if i can get off a plus two and basically sit at plus three i'm i'm living large right now but i'm totally fine with just being at guts plus one you know and i think that's because like also because there was also a sort of like a not like a debate i guess but kind of a divide between swords dance versus bulk up for a while in ursula right because the idea was like i can at least get the defense boost and then make myself bulky but we've as we've talked about this is a tri- this is a heavy trick room team, so you're trying to have that attack boost uh, like as much as possible. I'm also very curious about the scarf on Urshifu. Dark Fu doesn't normally get scarf, so I'm I'm very curious to how this thing was built. Guessing they're using uh, the Dark Urshifu as sort of like a tactical nuke to get rid of what it needs to with Teradar. Then they'll yep. get the tri- set up and start sweeping from there. I haven't yep. played these teams much, but I'm guessing that's most likely what it's doing. That is exactly what it's doing. <laughs> because Look at you guys for my questions. You want to like break through protects, especially if they're like stalling protects in Trick Room. I mean, who cares if your choice scarf? Because <laughs> they're protecting anyways. 100%. Are there are there any fast taunters besides Prankster uh, that you're trying to taunt their taunt? I mean, Chien Pao, but it never runs it. Yeah, like Bori. Come on now. Yeah, so other than... <laughs> I guess. Fair enough. Okay, um, well, cool. And the next piece that I want to get into is looking at some of the actual statistics from this tournament and also from the Mickey Lamousathon. 
Because I think that looking at the actual metagame of these two tournaments is going to be very critical to, you know, building out what that Peoria metagame is going to look like. So we're going to start first with the the usage of the Pokemon. So on Limitless, obviously, you can see the uh, usage rates, but we're actually going to be using Lab Mouse for the Pokemon because what Tim was able to do that Limitless cannot or will not perhaps is <laughs> separate out the ogre pond types which is very important because it skews it a little bit so according to limitless ogre pond was the most used pokemon at 260 and then flutter main at second iron hands lando chen pao tornadoes rillaboom your you know regular uh or your usual suspects i suppose but breaking out what which ogre pond is very significant because when you do that, which Tim was able to do, you see that it was actually 117 Hearth Flame Ogre Pond, which puts it fourth behind Landorus and in front of Chen Pao. And then Wellspring was number seven in usage at 112. So when you combine them together, that's a lot of Ogre Pond, obviously, but breaking them out individually, that's what you're going to see. And that means only 30 are left for both the teal form and the rock form. So it's right. very obvious which ones are the better ones. <laughs> and it makes sense, too. I mean, the one that gives you the plus one in attack with Mold Breaker versus the one that's Water Grass with Water Absorb and a plus one in Spadef. I mean, it does make sense that those two would be like the top Ogre Ponds. Though Mono Grass Defiant is very interesting, I think. it's just I think it's just the fact that it's Mono grass like if it was if you got uh defiant on is it cornerstone is that what it's called yeah yeah so De defiant is on the grass one which is the teal mask one right but i'm saying it is on the cornerstone but it, i'm saying like if, if defiant was on the rock grass one yeah. i think it might see some more usage i think that's true really cool. i think one will get its usage in time just because rock is such a good offensive type right now i think there will be I think it's just underexplored just because I think the grass water one and the grass fire one are more splashable on a lot of sort of core teams that want to run them uh, grass fire water sort of based calls really. So I think that's the reason why you see them more, but I think the rock version will eventually get some more usage. I could definitely see it on some like sand teams or something like that because the, because like the, the rocket is, is nice, but I mean like an offensive rock and grass, it does make sense for being, plus you get the hundred accuracy rock move. It's basically it's basically Stone Edge that doesn't miss. So, yeah. Well, I think the the issue with Sand is running Tyranitar and then having two Mons that are not good into Water types. Right. So I think it works like Sturdy works as like this renewable focus sash. So it's basically like a Chien Pao kind of Mon where you have to hit it twice, and like that has to be part of your win con or else you're Dunskies. Right. Right, which it which I think allows it to be a bit more splashable on some of the more hyper offensive, good stuffy kind of teams. Yeah, Tyler, looking at this, and since you played in the tournament, anything stand out to you that you saw a lot more of something that you didn't that you didn't expect, or maybe didn't see as much of something that you did expect? I saw way more Iron Bundle and King Gamma than I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> um, so those things ripped apart my team. <laughs> I was like, wait, where did these come from? <sighs> So there were 26 Iron Bundle and 23 King Gambit in, and, uh, you know, there was King Gambit by Big Mike OG in, in, on the fourth place team. 
Um, and one of the most common cores, number eight, is the combination of Bundle plus King Gambit with Lando T, Iron Hands, uh, Fire, Ogre Pond, and Sinistar. But of course, there's only four teams that, that hit that, but you hit that combination multiple times. I played that exact team. What do you um, think about it, like, hurt your team so much? <laughs> Everything. I'm just curious, because, like, so, it, it's interesting. So, so... I have so I'll I'll give you a little bit of information on my team. Two fire types. One of them was Heisman Arcanine, one of them was Chiyu. Really good uh into King Gambit. Um, but the one that I saw, the one that I battled with that team was Terra Water, mm -hmm. um, which does make sense in this team, and it completely destroys things. Um my I was using Water Pond. Water Pond does not want to come out to play here at all. Um, because it sees right. bundle and it's like oh Breeze dry, automatic yeah. yeah automatic death great um and then obviously two uh iron hands like landorus iron hands in tandem with each other is a huge problem i mean i know that's the number two uh you know top pokemon pairing in this tournament with like 111 pairs um i, I did see that a lot and it gave me a lot of trouble um not even really the fake out the fake out was never the problem it was always the electric stab into the water pond i could never get it in the right position mm -hmm. um, i didn't really have enough protects on the team to uh warrant like good positioning um it seemed like anytime i wanted to switch something out to protect it uh there was always something there that would ko the thing that i was going to swap it out for so it was a very uh it was a very glass cannony team at the end that we thought looked like balance and then it wasn't balanced at all gotcha I'm also seeing in here a lot. Um, so there was like a there was a, a tweet that went out on on obviously on Twitter or X that was like build your team with 15 bucks, like one of those memes. And Roaring Moon was not on that list. But it's something that we've talked about. I think it was even just last episode. I know that John, you brought it up, is that Roaring Moon is extremely good right now because of the fact that Dragon resists Firewater Grass. And of course, you get the the psychic immunity because of the fact that it's dark. There were fifty one Roaring Moon, putting it at twelve point four seven percent of all of the teams. Now, in the elimination bracket, there was only two of those. Only two of those teams had Roaring Moon, but I still think a pretty good showing for something that wasn't necessarily so much on the radar, at least with some of these past tournaments that we've seen for Regulation Eight. I actually historically uh, compared it to some of our previous Regulation D tournaments, and it usually averaged around two to three percent usage. Yeah. So literally, I think the move knockoff has increased its usage by like five or six times. Completely agree. Yeah. I will also say the Roaring Moons that made top cut, at least in our tournament, there was only two of them, and both of them had Milo Tick, um, which is a really, 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 really good pairing with Roaring Moon. Because, um, like Tyler mentioned, Landorus, Therian, particularly with Toy Scarf, just makes Roaring Moon cry um, for a lot of reasons. But having, and you can knock off this Toy Scarf, like you can get in a position to, to make it work. Um, but Milo Tick gives you competitive to punish them for bringing Landorus, and it has Icy Wind to basically nullify the Choice Scarf without needing you to knock off that Choice Scarf. Um and so it's cool that that pairing um, appeared twice in our top cut, lost first round, but it was cool to see that. 
And if you're thinking about Roaring Moon and you're like, I don't want to use the Regulation C, you know, Roaring Moon balance team, definitely consider uh, pairing Roaring Moon with Milotic. And for those that are curious, the most common, based on the statistics from the open team sheet, the most common set on the Roaring Moon is your Flying Terra booster energy set. And then run Protect, Knockoff, Dragon Dance, and Acrobatics. So it's a very it's very standard. I mean, that's probably what it's going to be. Maybe if you want to throw in Tailwind or Breaking Swipe or something like that, but like you're... I'm going to go fast. I'm going to get, I'm going to hit hard is very good. And then you throw in that anti-intimidate support, like you said, with Milotic, or maybe even like, I don't know, some sort of redirection or something like that to really help you set up that dragon dance. That thing can just really pop off while also not dying as, as much. And the flying Terra is cool because it's not necessarily defensive, but it's just, you're pumping out so much, so much offense. Speaking of dragons, by the way, pop quiz for all of y'all. Um, what was the most common pseudo legendary in this turn in the in top cut? Shimomo. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it was actually not Kamoo. Dragonite. No. It was Bax Caliber. Bax Caliber was number five. I'm blind. Yep. There has five of them. Kamoo has four of them, and Dragonite has only three of them. Isn't that interesting? I think Bax is cool. I think Bax is very cool right now. I think it's always been somewhat underrated, but I think now it's got decent support with um, Alolan Ninetales, especially. It fulfills part of that fantasy core with Dragon Fairy Steel, which is a good overall sort of combination of typing because you get the physical attacker from Bax Caliber and you get I think one of the Baxcalibur uh, teams, instead of raw, uh, running the Heat Exchange, Thermal Exchange, one of them was running Ice Body, and I think it was mm-hmm. combined with a load of the Nine Tails to start healing up during. So you get the heal, uh, you get basically leftovers recovery through hail, snow mm-hmm. even, and then you also get the defensive boost with that uh, snow boost as well. So there were a couple of teams like that, and I think that's probably part of the reason why. But I've always think, I always thought it was a bit underrated, personally. I think it's just getting its time to shine now. But if you ran this set on Bax Caliber, you were more likely to have top cut than not. This specific set, Ice, Icicle Spear, Scale Shot, Swords Dance, Protect with Loaded Dice. That yep. was on four of the five Bax Calibers, on 80% of Bax Calibers in top cut. And what Scale Shot does is it lets you boost your speed. And if you're fast enough, you can actually speed creep uh, Landorus Therian with Choice Scarf. You have Scale Shot that lets you set up while doing damage, and you have Swords Dance to keep pace with Intimidates. So now you have, like, effectively Dragon Dance kind of setup, but allowing you to actually keep pace with the metagame. And Icicle Spear is nuts with all the grass types around. And so with Scale Shot, it's it's not a speed boost on every hit. It's just Correct. one it's just speed once. boost, assuming yeah. that it hits. Okay. Yep. So yeah, that's another that's another teal mask TM that uh is benefiting a pseudo legendary, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty neat. Cause typically you saw like scale shot on like Garchomp and stuff, but getting it mm-hmm. on Bax Caliber is really cool because it, it has additional bulk and the you know ice type is nice for it. And it's cool too, because it's like again, like we talk with Swords Dance, 
you're able to set up that plus two. So even if you go down to minus one, it's fine. So you don't need that load, that uh, clear amulet as much because the loaded dice is going to be able to help you hit like, you know, four times at least. So you're able to really maximize on that stabs you're getting both able to benefit from the multiple hits. Cool. Um, all right. Scrolling down a little bit. Um, if you're surprised that like, you know, Fluttermane, Lando T, Iron Hands are in there, you know, I don't know where you've been. Uh, Chi Yu coming back in, I think is a little surprising, but maybe I'm wrong. It was at 47 overall. Um, there were six in top cut. I, I think, I mean, Chi Yu is obviously always just going to be a very good Pokemon, but it's, and maybe I'm wrong, but did it feel like for a minute, guys, like, we were trying to push out Chi Yu because we're like, we're trying to use all these other fire types like Heatran or Hisuian Arcanine. And not to say that those are bad, but it's like Chi Yu just keeps popping up because that Spadef drop to everything is just so, so good. Well, I think Tyler used Chi Yu in the tournament. So maybe he has an opinion on how good or bad it is. Uh, I do have an opinion. Uh, I love the fr <laughs> the fish, uh, but it is ever so slightly frail for my taste. Um, I was using a choice specs set with uh, Burning Jealousy. Um, I don't recommend Burning Jealousy, but it is a good alternative if you uh, hate missing heat waves. Um, and then Snarl and Dark Pulse and Overheat. Uh, there was one instance where I uh, I faked out a choice card Landorus and then just overheated it and it went away and I didn't have to bother it anymore. Hmm. Um, so that was nice. But yeah, I mean, I think Chiyu resurfacing isn't out of the realm of question. I mean, it it just does so much damage naturally without having to be supported by anybody because it just supports itself with the Bees of Ruin ability. Right. I think the choice specs variant with Overheat being just a tactical nuke to anything you don't like on the opposing team is always quite good. That alone, as well with Fluttermane, which is still one of the top used Pokemon in the format, is always going to be a good combination. So I think it'll always pop in and out, even probably future um, generations as well. Well, yeah, and I think it's also a mod that opens up um, lines or plays into certain teams. So like Overheat with a Choice Specs can dent a Cresselia very significantly. So if you don't have a trick room matchup, instead of using Amoongus, instead of using Taunt, instead of using Fake Out, you could just nuke their Cresselia <laughs> for a lot of damage. And you can use Overheat rather than Dark Pulse in case they click the Terra Fairy button, right? Or if your team struggles with Heatran, you can just snarl Heatran for 5 million days and you're fine. So Mr. Fishy is... is, is is well established in the metagame, I think. Yeah. And speaking of Pokemon also coming back that maybe took a little bit of a dip, Amoongus is an interesting Pokemon, I think. So I'm looking at the Mickey Lamousathon as well as our open. For the combined for both of them, for us, Amoongus was just under 10% at 9.54. There were 39 entries. For the other tournament, there were 26, and that was at 14%. When you look at Top Cut, 15% of Top Cut had Amoongus in hours versus 25% had it for the Mickey the Mouse-a-thon. Now, that's a little skewed because there's only eight in Top Cut, so there's only two, but still, 
And I bring it up because it's like, of course, you know, the new toy syndrome with Ogre Pond coming back. There was a massive just crater in Amoongus usage because it's like, well, my spore is not going to go anywhere because of follow me on a grass type, which Ogre Pond offers. But Amoongus is still there. I mean, it's still able to to do its job. Do you think you guys think that this is more so representative of what we're going to see where Amoongus is going to just jump right back up in usage and sort of settle into where it was? Or do you think that this is more like people are just trying to get that surprise best of three, uh, you know, sleep turns that are going to go their way and then maybe come Peoria? We're not going to see Amoongus even, you know, near the top 20 in usage. Well, I think um, Ogre Pond. Uh, I might have mentioned this at some point on a previous podcast, but um, Ogre Pond uh, competes with Rillaboom as a grass type because it's a physical grass type. It has a bunch of strong grass moves um, and it, it, it just does a lot of damage as a grass type. And it uh, competes with Amoongus because it has a bunch of support moves, including most importantly, uh, Follow Me, right? So it actually pulls at usage from both of those Pokemon. So it's not surprising that, you know, this new really good grass type that fits on like every team ever is now kicking out the Amoongus and sometimes kicking out the Rillaboom and sometimes kicking out whatever other grass type that could be there. Or you have to consciously choose, hey, if I want an Ogre Pond plus a second grass type, um, because defensively, much of Ogre Pond's forms don't really function as a grass type other than the Spore immunity. Um, um yeah so a lot of people can think can think okay if i want a second grass type i have to choose now between rillaboom and amoongus whereas before it was like it was very clear which one would fit on a particular team now it's like uh, <laughs> i already have this other grass type that's doing either one's job um which is i think a cool thing but it also means the amoongus is really um pigeonholed into um certain archetypes rather than being something that just gets run on every archetype ever. Well, if you have a look at the sixth place team on our tournament, that actually had Ogapon and Amoongus instead of the Ogapon and Rillaboom. Mm-hmm. So if you're using both together, I think it's just going to be a use case of what's going to go on what particular team. I think Amoongus will still be there. Four inherently is just really, really good. I think just the, um, the, I think part of it is new toy syndrome, but I think also part of it is Ogapon simply having follow me being a better user of redirection. If it's needed for that particular role, you might see more for that particular role, and you'll see Amoongus fit more into its supporting role once again in the future. But I think it's just going to depend on the team composition throughout further regulations, I think, for that one. Absolutely. And like for this team in particular, this Ogre Pond with this Amoongus, it's like Ogre Pond is acting more so, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's acting more as like a fire type in a way, because it is the Hearth Flame um, Ogre Pond with Sunny Day on Tornadus, and it does have Ivy Cudgel, Spiky Shield, and Taunt. So it doesn't have Follow Me. Now it does have Power Whip, which obviously is going to be your grass, it's going to be your grass damage, which is nice. But then Amoongus has Spore, Rage Powder, Pollen Puff, and Leaf Storm. So it's like, Ogre Pond is sort of playing in that almost like Arcanine, uh, you know, Rillaboom role, as opposed to the Amoongus is like playing in that Amoongus role where, you know, maybe Ogre Pond, like, so it really, yeah, for, for your team composition, it's like, what do you want Ogre Pond to be? 
And that's going to be dependent upon the mask that you have. And then of course, like your moves, and then you can fit Amoongus on there. Cause it's like, obviously when Ogre Pond is going to Terra, which it's going to Terra a lot because that ability to get the plus one attack is so strong. Your grass type is gone. So it's good to have, then have that backup grass type in Amoongus to be able to still get those reliable switch-ins to Spore and Rage Powder and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Kelsch actually won the Lamousathon with uh, Amoongus and Ogre Pond. He, uh, he also used the Hearth Flame Mask, um, and his was more of like a setup sweeper with Swords Dance, Ivy Cudgel. Um, his had Horn Leech. Uh, which I think is really, really good on Ogre Pond, uh, provided that you can get the Swords Dance up. Um, being able to provide your own recovery is super, super nice. Um, and then you have, like, you know, Pollen Puff as well, in case you need it. Mm-hmm. Mike, because, or, well, Tyler, Mike, whatever your real name is, uh, what was your experience of the, like, drop in Amoongus during the tournament? Because I noticed, like, none of your opponents have Amoongus. <laughs> <laughs> I listen. I I brought specific Pokemon for Amoongus. This monkey, I brought the monkey. It was ready to taunt. Man, it was gonna taunt. It was gonna have a taunt party. Uh, I never saw one, and I was upset. Um, it was cool because I didn't have to worry about anything getting spored. But it was also very not cool because everything was a lot more offensive. Um, and um, the team as a whole just wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, and when when like you're not when the, when the team isn't prepared or like designed to be able to handle something like that, it just it sucks when you hit it because <laughs> it you know happens. Um, all right, one more Pokemon that I wanted to talk about is the Sinistjaw. I don't really totally get Sinistjaw, and that's probably on me because I haven't used it much. But like seeing it at um, 15% usage for the combined for us and then being at 12.5% for top cut and then in the Mickey Lamousa it was 13% for combined and then another two teams had it in top cut for 25% so another grass type to talk about this one obviously ghost grass it gets the strength sap which is ma- which is amazing it gets its giga drain burn you know spread damage attack which is very cool it gets trick room you think that is this a team dependent pokemon or is this something that really can't just sort of like splash onto something as a grass type yes i don't Uh oh (laughs) go for it tyler go for it everyone yell at once um i i personally don't think that like any of us have like fully cracked the code on sinistra yet um but it is in like a very interesting place so it's a grass type um in terms of you wanting to put a grass type on your team uh sinistra is having to compete with offensive pieces like uh ogre ponds and rillabooms um, and then is having to compete with supportive pieces like Moongus. Um, and then you think, okay, well, Moongus doesn't get Trick Room. Uh, yeah, okay, well, Cresselia does. All right, so what's 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 the teacup really doing except, you know, coming in every so often and giving a little bit of health back? Like, I, I think, I just think it it's not fully explored yet and that there's a lot more um, for it to offer a team. 
Well, if you have a look at, I think we're the, the best team to really look at this, obviously, I think we'd be doing it a disservice if we didn't look at Wolfie's team specifically with this. Now, I was watching some of the stream throughout this, and basically how he was using this is, A, for redirection purposes, because there was double redirection on the team, but two, basically it sort of became a sustained team. It was switching in with iron hands in, so it recovered a bit of health on iron hands, and then it hit with drain punch to recover back to full a lot of the time, and then it did similar things with set up Snorlax and set up Kamoa. So I think it's a good it's a good enabler for setup. It's good at obviously sustain because of the amount of health recovery it has. It also has moves like Life Chew, for example. So you can heal another 25% team member teammate as well. I think it's good on the right team, but I, I would agree that there probably is things that are underexplored on it as well. It also gets scold, which I don't know if there's a use case for it, but there's not many Pokemon that get scold, so that might be something worth considering. Yeah, I think um, you're, you're right there that Wolfie's team does it kind of illustrate how flexible Sinistra is because it's a trick room setter that gives your team some support in the form of hospitality. So instead of spamming Lunar Blessing, it's just a switching and then you do other stuff. Um, but because you have trick room and it's kind of mid-speed, but it also is like the third highest special attack on a grass type in the in the game other than like megamons like it's actually doing damage while it's being a support um which is really nice to have on a team it's just really really nice to have a support that can that you don't have to you know calc you know 252 plus modest stuff <laughs> to do any damage whatsoever um so you can actually commit to the bulk do damage spread burns strength sap stuff calm mind you know whatever you said it gets calm mind. Does it get nasty plot per chance? It, uh, I don't know that. I can look that up in two seconds for you, buddy. Though I'm actually curious as to like what a what like an offensive heat proof set would look like. Well, I think you would probably want to use calm mind because it has the lower special defense. Uh, so you want to boost that. It does get nasty plot, so you could do that if you wanted to. Okay. So you do like nasty plot. Uh, Matcha Gacha, Shadow Ball, Protect with, or, or instead of Protect, use Trick Room. So if you want to like switch it up. So it's like the offensive mom with like one support option. So you have like a, an Ogre Pawn on the team with Follow Me to re redirect it and Iron, Hand, Iron Hands to fake out. Um, so you get like both a setup option and like a support option on one mod. That almost reminds me of kind of like uh, like Chandelure as a Trick Room setter, because then mm -hmm. you can still do that damage after the Trick Room has been set up, mm -hmm. and then maybe give it you know some additional support along the way. Yep. Just by virtue of having Strength Sap, like this can just if, if it ends up coming to a one v one versus a physical attacker, like by virtue of it having Strength Sap, it can just win one v ones a lot of the time, and by spreading burn as well. Yeah. So. That is everything that I wanted to talk about. Were there any others that you guys wanted to bring up? I know that, John, there was a specific item you wanted to talk about on Heatran. Yeah, so if we dug into the stats on Heatran a bit in our tournament, we don't have access to the... Well, we didn't run the stats on the other tournament. Um, but if you look at uh, Heatran's item, there's a nasty little Pokemon called Hearthflame Ogre Pond that has a Mold Breaker ability, which unfortunately ignores Flash Fire. 
And so you could be like, well, you can use wheezing, but if you use wheezing, then it turns off flash fire and mold breakers. It doesn't really help. So an ability shield, which is an item that like none of us thought would get any use ever, <laughs> um, has actually popped up on Heatran. It was in, on about 17% of Heatrans in our tournament. And there was a couple people who were uh, one win out of top cut who had ability shield Heatran. Um, and that's really cool because it says, okay, like people are using this, it's actually effective into the use case, which we thought it was, which is you can use ability shield, use terror grass, and now you're basically a Komoo in the sense that you resist fire, water, grass, because now you're immune to flat, you're immune to fire moves, and Ogre Pond can't do anything about that. Um, so I'm really curious to see how ability shield Heatran um works going forward because now it's actually competing with assault vest with leftovers with life orb um as heatran uh items so if your team is like hey i'm really bad fire ogre pond matchup like ability shield really is something you can use on like a cresselia iron hands heatran sort of team i think it's also that heatran just has like a lot of good items that it can use like there's no like one specific item that it has to use like it can use life orb sure it can also use citrus berry you can also use assault vest like there's no there's not many like bad items for it so i think just by virtue of like not really specifically requiring an item to be good for that specific use case it definitely made sense to have ability shield who would have thought it at the start of uh, scarlet and violet that uh, we, we saw the uh, the new item ability shield and immediately passed it off as completely useless and now it actually has some uses it's absolutely wild right and guys speaking of the dlc uh which of the loyal three actually made a good showing this past weekend okay. the dogie okay. the dogie the dogie was the best poison boy uh dogecoin dogecoin yeah, I don't think he did that. I mean, he had Joe uh, Ugardi did well in our tournament with it. I've, but I think in uh, the Mousathon tournament, it did like a lot better um, across the tournament because I think there was one in Top Cup, but like a lot more throughout the tournament that placed pretty high. I think most of them were actually on like screens teams or kind of balancing teams. That makes sense. I mean, it's just like a super bulky Pokemon with like deceptive speed. So you can set up those screens and I think it gets drain punch and bulk up, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind and of think... plays in that like annihilate slash like iron hands type of role behind screens. Totally. And if you have a way to deal with it, you know, guard dog is an ability that increases your attack instead decreases it if intimidate comes in. Um, so if you have another way to hit Heatran, you can act or hit Landorus you can actually punish Landorus for coming in um, rather than just get your entire team swept by it. I think it's actually quite a good typing as well because Poison Fighting, I believe, is only weak to Psychic, Flying, and Ground. If I'm not yep. mistaken. Yep. And four times weak to Psychic isn't great, but besides Psy Spam, there isn't that much Psychic types running around, which really just leaves Flying and Ground, which is basically Landorus. And you mm -hmm. can take ice punch onto this thing for one shot in lander is coming in and giving you a plus one so there's plenty of work around with that and because of the bulk and the stats for it I'm, I'm not surprised it's the best out of the three they also give it a lot of dark type moves so you can easily go dark terra and get stabbed on like knockoff and like lash out and stuff like that 
Totally. Or if you don't want to use an ice move, you can just pair it with Alolan Ninetales. So you actually get the ice move from your partner and, you know, slurp up the Intimidates when Landorus comes in and meets his uh, chilly demise. Nice. Okay. Well, that is going to be the end of this podcast episode. We covered a lot today. So thank you guys so much for coming on. I do appreciate that. Next time, what we have to look forward to is uh, some additional Peoria stuff that we're going to be getting into. Maybe we have some Regulation E confirmed format information we can talk about. But otherwise, um, hope everybody has a fantastic rest of your week and weekend. And hope you enjoyed the show. So we'll do our goodbyes. We'll start with you, AOX. Yeah, um. Really glad to um, be here. Thank you for having me on. And um, to anyone that's uh, listening that isn't necessarily in the server, please go ahead and join the Discord. At Discord, I run tournaments basically every week or couple of weeks, depending on availability. We also do plan having some more prize pool ones, basically as sort of regulation kickoffs as such. So potentially for regulation F, for example, we could be looking at a prize pool one there. Um, so, yeah. And join the next tournaments and hope to see you there. Awesome. That sounds great. And Tyler? Buy more merch. Buy more merch. <laughs> That's true. That that directly goes into the prize pool as well. It, it does, yeah. Yep. And then you know, thanks for having me. Um, you know, if you need me, I'll call you. Cool. And last but not least, John. Call me Tyler. And also for all the fans. Stay up to all your monkey business. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Have a great rest of your day. Class dismissed.